0: Redskins, capitals, wizards, and the nationals, repping for my teams because I stay loyal to the capital. The power of media and social media and sports has never been more clear to me than in this past week. Last Sunday, JP Finley came out and tweeted, Washington is going to have news that's not just about the name and it's not going to be good at all. And that got people thinking a little bit. Then Julie Donaldson came out and said, the news is going to be disappointing and sad. Then you see Barstool Nate say, from what I understand it being the story is bad. And Pat McAfee on the more national scale, Came out and said from what i've heard this is going to be bonkers and this story didn't even come out until thursday at around 5:30 p.m so this was sunday night through thursday there's a lot of media hype going on and parallel to that are people on social media who are wondering just what the hell is going on in washington there were rumors over time about sex parties about drug trafficking They said Snyder was on Epstein's list. There was all sorts of insane rumors going about. There's the Jay Gruden one having to do with Capri Bibbs, who by the way, did actually get interviewed about that. But there's that rumor where, you know, he was with the same woman that Jay Gruden was with. And because of that, he got benched. And he got benched during the game where Alex Smith had a near career ending injury. Everything spun way out of control. And people were saying that this story is going to be a bombshell. And the question then became, is Dan Snyder going to sell the team or not? That's suddenly what it became about. It became less about the story and more about the impact of the story and the impact being will Dan Snyder sell? I said so at the end of my last episode was this is going to be the most overhyped story of all time if this does not result in Dan Snyder selling the team. And you know what? This was a bombshell of a story. 17 different women came out and said that they were sexually harassed while working with or for the Washington Redskins organization over the past 15 years. That's how long the behavior has been going on. That is an insane story. Liz Clark and Will Hobson of the Washington Post brought that to us. Absolutely insane story. But the thing is, it lost a lot of its value because of the media buildup and the social media buildup. And that is sad. Because for those 17 different women, of which three were on the record, by the way, this diminishes the impact of it. People were no longer, that no longer became the focal point for some people. It became, okay, that's that's the story instead of oh my god that is awful it the impact changed because of the build-up and we're all sort of at fault for it it's this uncontrollable it's just snowballs it's so difficult to stop momentum like that and i can't help but be frustrated because the story got completely undermined and lost a lot of its value because the expectations for the story were that Dan Snyder was going to sell the team. And there is just no way that's going to happen. Never mind the pathetic statement that came out after that. It's just not, it's just not going to happen. It's just a very sad story overall and very typical of this football team. Things like this seem to happen all the time. Anyway, aside from the fiasco, training camp starts this week. (laughs) So we'll talk about that a little bit, too. Welcome to another episode of District Divided. I am your host, Amit Singh. If you like the show or want to follow the show, you can follow it on Twitter, at District Divided, on Instagram with the same handle, District Divided, or you can go to Facebook and I have a page and group, both called District Divided. On this week's episode, I do have a guest, Murnal Widge, who used to work as a corporate hospitality intern for the Washington Redskins well formerly known as the Washington Redskins uh in 2012. so we're going to talk about his time over there his reaction to the article and just if he can give us any insights into the culture of the organization aside from that I'm going to talk about the State of the Union and I'll give you just a few more of my thoughts on the situation with the Washington football team because they did hire Terry Bateman Julie Donaldson who was actually one of the people that tweeted disappointing and sad in reference to this story and yeah we're gonna go from there folks so kick back relax enjoy the show we now get into the interview with Murnal witch joining me this week on district divided is probably my best friend and guy I grew up with next door. I got really lucky with this guy being next door to me my whole life, basically. Um, and in this context, he worked for the Washington Redskins. So we're going to talk to him a little bit. Mernal Widge. Mernal, what's good, man?
1: What's good, dog? It's about damn time you <laughs> had me on this podcast.
0: You've only been asking for about 12 weeks now. So it's good to have you on. Let's, uh, let's talk about your role on the skins a little bit. So you're a corporate hospitality intern, right?
1: Business operations, I like to say. But yeah, corporate hospitality, I guess, was the official title.
0: We'll we'll go with business operations then. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your roles and responsibilities while you were there and like how long you were there for, stuff like that.
1: So I interned with the Skins the fall season of 2012, ironically, our like one great year uh, in history. Um... So I I'd applied for this internship. I actually sort of lied to the Redskins to get this job. Um, they required that I was like a university enrolled student getting, ready, getting credit for the course. And that was the year that I wasn't in college. Um, but I just sort of like made up a person who was my faculty advisor just to sort of pass their checks. Um, and then yeah, I got, got lucky and secured the internship. Um, and I was excited, man. it was it was my first real job. I was twenty years old, like working for like my dream organization or or so I thought at that point in time. Um, and really, my job, uh, as I found out over the course of a few weeks, it was it was doing a few different things. It was um, it was selling uh, luxury box tickets uh, over the phone during the week. I was working out of Redskins. HQ. It was just helping uh, out with things during training camp, during preseason, on game day. It was sort of walking around to a lot of the the suites with Dennis Green, who was the president of business operations, um, as well as some other people, just making sure everybody was well taken care of. And yeah, I I did a lot of things in my in my brief brief stint over there.
0: Yeah, no, it definitely sounds like you were pretty busy overall. And uh, Dennis Green was in that Washington Post article. Um, If we want to, we can, you know, touch on him and his time there later as well. But you know, you called it your dream job and you know, you then said, or at least I thought it was. So would you say it was a good place to work? How was your overall experience? Like, how did it go for you?
1: Absolutely fucking not. It was the worst job I've ever had. And I've had some pretty, pretty shitty jobs (laughs) in the last eight years. (laughs) Um, just you guys have probably all read in the news, like how toxic of a workplace it is and just how much BS goes on like behind the doors at at Redskins Park. I mean, from day one, man, I could just tell as an intern. I mean, it was my first internship, but I could still tell that they that they treated me like shit and not speaking about Dennis green specifically, he was like a kind of a few levels above me. So I guess at least my interactions with him were mostly positive, but it was like my direct boss who worked for him, who was just like, who would just be like a huge asshole to me all the time. And I sort of noticed that kind of coming from the top down, I just never got any good vibes at all um, from, from being in that building as working on, on, on the business side. I was told on day one that I was not allowed to interact with any person on the football side, coaches, players, trainers, like they're just all off limits. And I was like, okay. Uh, yeah. One day I mean, I remember getting like scolded for like saying hi to Mike Shanahan in the hallway. And that's cause like Mike Shanahan stopped me and like said hi to me and wanted to talk to me. And then I like said, what's up coach? And then, yeah, like 10 minutes later I was getting berated. Um, so it was, it was an environment like that. Uh, day one, I had gym privileges and then they saw me in the gym on day one after telling me I could go to the gym and then they told me I couldn't go to the gym at all after that. So like the, the Redskins workout facility. So yeah, not a great place to work. Um, saw a lot of bullshit going on.
0: So yeah, you talked about bullshit and I mean, <laughs> I think it's kind of funny because you said on the one hand you made up a faculty you know, member in order to get the job, and they didn't look at that at all, apparently. Um, or if they did, maybe they were impressed with you and were like, screw it, we do it. <laughs> this fits our culture perfectly. Um, or, you know, and then next thing you know, you can't even say hi to Coach Shanahan, and he initiates the hi. But you said you saw a lot of bullshit over there. Could you talk about some of that?
1: Yeah, I mean, just from, I mean, you would hear of, like, dan snyder firing someone one day because he was in a bad mood um when dan snyder came to redskins park and parked his Maybach on one of the parking rows you weren't allowed to park in that entire row of cars and you know god knows what would happen to you if you tried to park next to dan snyder and just just a lot of pettiness like all around i mean i definitely i think did my fair share of like probably things that they didn't like i'm not going to say that i was a perfect employee by any means like 20 year old me was probably a nightmare employee but i mean i was i was good at what i was doing as an intern which was like selling our, our our box suites um getting sort of local ceos and other business people to hooked on on like in their interest in like getting a suite at Redskins Park. So I think they kept me along. They kept me around long enough um, just because I was good at my job. But I mean, I just remember it was eight years ago, but I just remember not liking working there at all and just being so disappointed that like, it was like my, the team that I grew up watching and like, you know, come week six, I like feel like rooting for the Cowboys. Um, Eventually. I mean, I didn't end up working the whole season. I kind of got, uh, just came to a huge headbutting match with like my my boss uh, come like November and and just never never came back. Which is good because they found my Twitter later uh, later that year. Uh, my boss found my Twitter and I used to tweet a lot about my uh, my experience there and, and about him. So it's good I wasn't at work when they uh, when they found my Twitter.
0: <laughs> that sounds like uh, I don't, you know I don't know if you've seen Parks and Rec, but uh, when. Donna is like tweeting and Leslie Noe finds out during like one of the hearings in one of those episodes, except uh, she was still employed at the time. But uh, yeah, no, that does sound, you know, it's unfortunate that that would happen, right? I mean, you and I both grew up huge Washington Redskins fans. And I remember I was so excited for you when you got that job. And. Uh, you know, it was excited to hear all about it, and it it is really unfortunate that things turned out that way. One question I do have for you is like, how often would you see someone like Dan Snyder, for example, at the building? I saw
1: him about like once every week or so. Um, granted, I didn't really have access to to him or, or any of the real higher ups. I mean, I would see Dennis Green on a on a daily basis, basically, and I I can talk about Dennis Green. I actually liked him. Um,
0: sure why don't you tell, tell us a bit about Dennis Green then.
1: so I think he I never had any negative interaction with Dennis because I don't think he had a reason to be a dickhead to me I think he like maybe took it out on his kind of subordinates who then probably took it out on me uh, but Dennis was always a cool guy uh, he was always like making jokes always upbeat on game days I remember I would sometimes walk around with him Speaking of this whole cheerleader scandal, actually, um, a couple of weeks, I remember on game day, uh, Dennis and I, he would pick me to basically, because I guess I looked the closest thing to like security out of all the interns, to take these cheerleaders around with him to different suites uh, and basically make sure no like creepy drunk guys, uh, you know, tried to be inappropriate with the girls. Uh, while we were paying the suite a visit and sometimes I was randomly told like all right like you're gonna wait outside this time so I had no idea like why I waited outside certain suites while Dennis and and the girls went in but reading uh reading recent articles in the last few years I, I figured that one out now and and you guys probably can too
0: yeah, no, it a, it's a really sad situation, obviously. I was uh, talking about it in the intro of this, which was that, you know, we were expecting a bombshell report, and the truth is, sexual harassment from 17 different women is a bombshell, but it's just that the media hype and social media hype actually diminish the value of it, which is super unfortunate. I do find it interesting that you were, you know, I guess, acting like security in some of the suites, but in other ones, you were told not to come in. That's I was literally
1: of... part of the cheerleader pimpering and I didn't know about it.
0: That's that's
1: wild, To be honest, man, like, I think Dennis was under huge pressure from Snyder and whoever else was above him to sell sweets. I think he was doing everything he could to like, and, and I think that we had pretty much sold out like everything that year, which is impressive, just judging by the history of the Redskins over the last 20 years or so, we've been absolutely miserable. I mean, I remember calling people on the phone talking to people and they're like, oh, we're never going to come and consider buying a ticket until Dan sells the team or you guys have tried this with me every year. But like Dennis had actually done a good job of like selling a lot of like our box tickets. I think he was under huge pressure. So he was just doing what he had to do. I mean, I was talking to one of my co-interns the other day after this whole sexual harassment thing broke out and like she sent me this text and she was like, I remember he made me take a picture Cause a suite owner once asked him and I was so confused. So like literally some suite owner asked Dennis, like, yo, that intern's cute. And then Dennis was like, yo, like send him a picture. Oh. And he was just under like, it's crazy to think about. Like, I don't necessarily blame Dennis, man. I mean, like, I guess you have to sort of, but like it, I don't think it was like all his doing at all. He was just under pressure.
0: Fair enough. So no, that sounds like a lot of pressure to be under. And I think the article actually sort of alluded to it because um, I want to say that he did gymnastics in college or something like that, or he was a cheerleader in college. And uh, in the article that Liz Clark and Will Hobson came out with in the post, uh, they talked about how, like, Dan Snyder would ask him to do cartwheels in front of, like, people That's during funny, the meetings. honestly. Like, <laughs> I wish I could have seen that. Of course, of course. <laughs> but just to speak to the level of stress he was probably going through at the time. So, speaking of that time, what were your thoughts on the organizational culture? I think you've alluded to it, but why don't you go ahead and spell it out then?
1: So, it was really bad on the business side. And I feel like it was super relaxed and, like, the best culture ever on the football side. So, like, just, like, the few, like, moments that I got to, like, see the players or, like, take part in something related to actual football. I mean, I just remember everyone just always having, like, such a good time and the rules just being super lax like, D'Angelo Hall used to literally just, like, play Madden, like, all day in, in training camp and only play as himself. Um, and he used to, like, scream, like, walking down the hallway, like, yo, who try to see me in Madden? Who can see me in Madden? Can't nobody see me in Madden. And I remember, like, I said something to him, like, one time, like, yo, man, like, I'll take you in Madden. And the rest of the time, like, the rest of the few months I was there, like, he would always see me and he he would be like, yo, y'all gotta let him see me in Madden. He can't take me in Madden. It was just like, it was just like funny, like good vibes like that. I mean, I, I remember hearing from another intern, man, like he was on the PR side. So he was working for Tony Wiley. Y'all remember that dude that like- ushered No means Tony no. Ushered boy away on like uh, Monday night after we beat the Cowboys.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the no like, means no guy, yeah.
1: The no means no guy. Like, I mean, his department was super chill. Like on the PR side, um, I mean, I'm sure he was guilty of a lot of a lot of things that you hear about, too. But, man, I remember like this other intern in the PR side was like, yo, man, like cause I was working the game and Brandon Merriweather was injured. And he's like, Yo, like Brandon Merriweather, like I interviewed him before the game and then he just asked me to go to stadium with him. And then he just basically gave me stacks of ones the whole night. And the two of them just went to a strip club. So, like the the culture on the football side, and it's no wonder you hear of like Clinton Portis and like all these other like greats that played for a couple different teams talking about like the best time of their life and their football career was on the Redskins because they literally had no rules. But on the business side, it was just absolutely miserable.
0: Okay, so it sounds like the business side toxic, the football side very relaxed to the point where we can totally understand the records we saw over the years if that's what was going on in the building. All right, so one thing that the post article talked about was that there was one HR person on staff. Do you remember if there was really only one HR person on staff? It would suggest so if they like, you know, obviously gave you the job without checking your faculty stuff, but do you know if that's true?
1: I'm honestly not sure, man. Like, I don't remember anyone from HR, but but again, it's a big organization, so I'm not, yeah, I'm just, I'm just not sure on, on that one. But, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, my, like, lies did slip through the cracks pretty easily, you know, no reference checks there. So, uh, yeah. For, sort of lends for... itself
0: to what they were saying. So, <laughs> anyway, yeah, okay. So, we'll, we'll go ahead and say, uh, you know, unsure, but probably. Uh, and so, let's move on to the recent hirings that the Washington football team made. So, Dan Snyder came out with that statement where he was like, look, I hired – coach Ron Rivera to help with the culture change. I fired Alex Santos, Richard Mann, II, etc. And, you know, thorough process being done by Beth Wilkinson and all that jazz without taking any personal responsibility or any of that. But what he did do was he hired two people. He hired Terry Bateman to be an executive vice president and chief marketing officer and Julie Donaldson to be a senior VP of media. Let's start with Terry Bateman. I feel like he has a work, he's had a relationship with Dan Snyder for a while. I feel like I've heard that name before. Isn't that just another yes man hire? Cause wasn't he in the same position in like 2006 or something like that?
1: Yo, it sounds like it to me. Um, and also before 2006, he worked for Snyder at his telecom company. Do you know that?
0: I, I wanna say I-, I had read that somewhere, but I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't want to believe that. <laughs>
1: So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've read it somewhere, too, um, so I'm just assuming, like... Yeah,
0: yeah, no, then it must be right.
1: ...post or whatever is is right about that, but, I mean, it sounds like it, man, right? Like, I mean, it's someone that Snyder's known for, for years and who Snyder likes, and if Snyder likes someone, it's basically someone that is a yes man to Snyder, right? Like, I don't, I can't see Snyder just saying, oh, this is the guy, like, someone I have a history with who I, who also, like, stands up to me. So I mean, if if you were involved in Snyder's past and he's brought you back, I mean, you could, I only think it's because, like, you know, you're his yes man.
0: Yeah, no, I think you're right there. Uh, sort of a bizarre hire, fresh off the statement saying we're looking to change our culture, um, and then the other one again, Julie Donaldson, senior VP of media. She's very well respected in the DC media scene. So, uh, you know, I personally think it's a pretty good hire, but what do you think about that? Is that a step in the right direction?
1: I mean, that's good for her. Like, I I like her too. She used to work for like Comcast Sportsnet. Um, I mean, a step in the right direction, how though, like, it's just kind of like, what is, what is that going to really do? Like, great. You've hired someone that's a good media person and is a woman. But like, is that going to change the bigger problems that the Redskins have? I don't. I don't really think so.
0: What are some of those bigger problems you're talking about?
1: I mean, just like, is one person going to change the organizational culture within the Redskins if if Dan Snyder is still there? Like, I doubt it. Is is like one good hire um, going to change years of incompetence like i don't know i'm just pretty pessimistic at this point because having been there myself and then just having watched the redskins for 15 years and watching like everything unfold like you know is one competent person hired as a media um vp gonna really change anything so i mean it's a step in the good direction but we need to be like running in the good in a good direction like I don't know I feel like we've made steps in a good direction in the past but we keep reverting to the same thing
0: that's actually a really good point because uh, while it might be a step in you know that right direction I like that what you just said like running in the right direction which means multiple steps which means you know continuity because for example I remember when we hired Scott McLuhan I was over the moon I think you and I talked about it we finally had a GM that like you know could take control of football operations and make sure that we're getting good players in the building. And then of course he had that beef with Bruce Allen. So even though it was a step in the right direction, the culture more or less remained exactly the same. He even got interviewed saying, hey, I had no idea that stuff was going on, but Dan Snyder's a great owner. So that's a really, really good point. And I didn't think of it that way. I think I was sort of blinded by like, hey, you know what? It's a female, she's very well respected and this is, not, She's not being hired just because she's a woman. She's being hired because she's very well qualified, and I do believe it's a step in the right direction. But you're right. We need more than that. We absolutely need more than that.
1: Like, even Ron Rivera is a step in the right direction. I mean, I would say that's a bigger step in the right direction just because he's, like, the head coach. You know, it's a more relevant position. But, like, even with Ron Rivera, I'm not, like, that optimistic, to be honest. As long as Dan Snyder is the owner of the team, like, I mean he has to really do something and do something consistently to m- make me have any belief at all in the team because all i've seen is years of complete incompetence so you know we've had a good year in the past like the 2012 year with you know robert griffin and and mike shanahan and and everyone that was that was a good year but like even one good year doesn't mean that we're going to do anything beyond that good year
0: a fair point it's a totally fair point so if you could if you could offer dan snyder advice for turning this around what would you say to him sell the team i would too (laughs) so we're on the same page there anyway once again guys this was bernal widge again best friend growing up next door neighbor just brother for life Rinald, thanks for being on. I am going to give you the floor now. So you get like 15, 30 seconds, however much you want to. You can plug yourself. You can say whatever you want. Go ahead.
1: Man, yo, it's always a pleasure,
0: man. Glad
1: to be on the show. You know, always gotta put on for uh for TYN, TYN Global. Um, big fan of the show, man. Been uh been listening to it basically every week uh since you started back in uh january or february uh and 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 looking forward to to hearing here listening to more episodes watching the the podcast grow and uh hopefully a redskins turnaround
0: fair enough good looks brother i really appreciate you um and thanks for coming on and looking forward to having it grow and uh having you guys on more alongside it so appreciate it enjoy the rest of your evening
1: for sure man take care
0: All right, transitioning into this week's State of the Union, we begin with the NWSL. The Washington Spirit played in a quarterfinal match against Sky Blue FC, which was previewed by Maura Duffy on last week's episode. The game ended 0-0 and went straight to penalty kicks. Rose Lavelle, Ashley Hatch, and Maggie Doherty Howard made their penalties. Unfortunately, Sam Stab and Bailey Feist did not. We ended up losing the penalty shootout Four three. It was a very fun NWSL Challenge Cup for the Washington Spirit, but it wasn't meant to be. Moving on to the MLS, DC United were absolutely awful in the MLS's back cup. We talked about the fight they showed against Toronto FC to come back from 2-0 down and a man down to tie the game 2-2, but their goal totals with each game seemed like a countdown for the number of games remaining two goals against toronto fc two games remaining against new england and montreal one goal against the new england revolution with one game remaining against Montreal and zero goals against Montreal, meaning no games left. It got worse and worse. Two goals, then one goal, then zero goals. And they relied on Federico Iguaín who is a veteran in the league, but he's pretty old and he's coming off the bench. And if you're getting your goals from him, you got some big problems. And people are taking notice of that. Ben Olsen is under fire for the performances in the MLS's back tournament, of which DC United finished fourth place in their group and are knocked out. We're going to see how that progresses because he has been under fire in the past. And honestly, the game against the Montreal Impact was one of the worst I've ever seen DC United play. So we'll see how the team progresses, but it was not a good tournament for them. On to the WNBA. We talked about Elena Donne last week and how she had to decide between playing and her health between a paycheck or no paycheck well the washington mystics came out and said we are going to pay you no matter what you decide to do which is a nice gesture now she is rehabbing so there was a chance she wasn't even going to play anyway just based on injuries but it's still sad to see that the wmba did not take the necessary course of action after she came out with her article in the players tribune and medically exempt her again she takes 64 pills a day for lyme disease so frustrating to see, but Elena Donne will be getting paid this season. Once again, the Washington Mystics will be playing this Saturday, July 25th, at 5 p.m. against the Indiana Fever as they begin their tournament play. Now, on to the NBA. John Wall, he's definitely not playing during the NBA restart, but he does have the 202 assist program, which helps out Ward 8 residents. He wanted $300,000. He wanted to raise that much. Instead, he raised $550,000. Congratulations to John Wall, the 202 Assist Program and Ward 8 residents on that fantastic story. That is going to do a lot of good for those residents. And on the court, the Wizards actually play an exhibition game on July 31st at 4 p.m. against the Phoenix Suns. Before the NBA actually comes back and the Wizards have a meaningful game on August 2nd against the Brooklyn Nets. So that's when NBA play officially begins for the Wizards, is August 2nd with an exhibition game on July 31st. On to your defending champion, Washington Nationals. They are finally back, and so is baseball. Today actually. you can see the game on ESPN. They are playing the New York Yankees and Dr. Anthony Fauci is throwing out the first pitch. Plenty of you have wanted baseball to come back for some time now and it's finally here. So definitely go ahead and enjoy the game tonight. Once again, it's an abbreviated 60 game schedule where the Washington Nationals will be playing their NL East opponents and AL East opponents. And then the playoffs resume as normal, as usual. And now to conclude the State of the Union, or to really transition into the final topic of the day, we talk about the Washington football team just one more time, my final thoughts on everything that's been going down. At the beginning of this podcast, I spent time talking about the report and the impact of the report being diminished. What I want to spend time on in this segment is talking about the response to that kind of report. Now, team owner Dan Snyder came out with a statement after the Washington Post story came out, and it reads as follows. The behavior described in yesterday's Washington Post article has no place in our franchise or society. This story has strengthened my commitment to setting a new culture and standard for our team, a process that began with the hiring of Coach Rivera earlier this year. Beth Wilkinson and her firm are empowered to do a full, unbiased investigation and make any and all requisite recommendations. Upon completion of her work, we will institute new policies and procedures and strengthen our human resources infrastructure to not only avoid these issues in the future, but most importantly create a team culture that is respectful and inclusive of all." My thoughts on that statement were that was the bare minimum he could do. Something less than that even. In a moment like this, when you have 15 different women that used to work for you, accuse officials of sexual harassment, and two other external reporters have the same accusations. In a moment like this, as the owner, as the leader of the team, because that's what you are, you're the leader. I want to see transparency, I want to see some remorse. That's what leadership's about just because you weren't directly involved does not mean you didn't play a part in it. Allowing it to happen is negligence if you didn't know about it. And that is a cost associated with you. So to come out with a statement that takes no responsibility for what occurred and shows no remorse whatsoever is disturbing. And it makes me wonder if things are genuinely going to change. I want things to change. Dan, if you turn it around, that would be awesome. Look, a lot of people don't like you and for good reason, but you can turn this around and it would start by being transparent, by being honest, by fielding questions from the media. It's gonna be tough. You're gonna be under fire there, but it's necessary to show that you're willing to change. That is what is most important here is transparency. And it is the antithesis of who Dan Snyder is And he's showing that still the hiring of Terry Bateman as executive vice president and chief marketing officer reeks of same old Dan, nothing against Terry Bateman. It's not like he has necessarily been involved in any of these, you know, sexual harassment accusations or was in the building or anything like that. This is his third stint with Dan Snyder. To me, all it means is Dan has lost Larry Michael, He's lost other team officials he's close to. Bruce Allen, he was basically best friends with. He's lost close friends in the building. Fred Smith is someone he looked looked to for guidance at times. Or a FedEx. And he's got a strained relationship with him now. So for me, it just seems like Dan is looking for a, another yes man. And that's what I had asked Mernal. And it's just disappointing to see that. Because this is just, it's not solving the problem at all. From a PR perspective, it made a lot more sense for him to look outside of his usual inner circle of which we trust no one right now. Dan needs to reevaluate who he's spending his time with and who he's putting in powerful positions, right? Larry Michael, he trusted Bruce Allen. He trusted both of those guys are gone and it created a toxic culture within the organization so it's disappointing to see the hiring of Terry Bateman even if Terry Bateman is a good guy it just doesn't look good and appearances perception these things matter they really do now the Julie Donaldson hire does look good again she is a woman who is very well respected amongst the DC Sports media circle and DC media in general and I think she's going to do an excellent job as Senior VP of media I think she's gonna make a good hire for the play-by-play broadcaster. Personally, I don't know much about the candidates she's looking at. Steve Buckhantz, former Wizards play-by-play announcer, came out and said he'd love it. Everyone loves Buck. If he got hired to be the Redskins play-by-play announcer, or excuse me, Washington football team announcer, I think that would be great. People like Steve Buckhantz. I think that would be a good move. We just need people that we like. It really is that simple and Terry Bateman does not fall in that category Julie Donaldson does so we just want to get in that sort of mindset of bring people that are well respected across the board it cannot just be in one or two spots because Scott McLuhan for example was a very well respected individual now he had his problems with alcohol for example but he seemed past it and because of the toxic atmosphere of the organization apparently went back to it. And speaking of Scott McLuhan, who got forced out of Washington, and it was cited that it was due to alcohol. He actually came to the defense of Dan Snyder, which is interesting, right? A guy that was fired by the organization initiates a conversation with The Athletic and Ben Standig and says, Dan Snyder, one of the best, if not the best owner he's ever worked under. Let's explore that for a moment because there are a lot of pro Dan Snyder people out there too. And not to, you know, completely shit on you guys, but the truth is Scott McLuhan is also a businessman. In case you didn't know what Scott McLuhan is doing now, he's running a scouting service, his clients, NFL teams and owners. Of course, he's going to reach out and be positive about Dan Snyder. He was even positive about Bruce Allen, which made me, you know, raise an eyebrow. Scott McLuhan is doing what he needs to do in order to make sure team owners know that he can be trusted and he's not going to do anything to say otherwise. He also had the alleged scandal with Diana Rossini based on Jessica McLuhan's tweets about how many BJ's did you receive in order to get that story. So he doesn't exactly have the cleanest stuff around him that's why i am a bit skeptical about it's not like someone reached out to Scott Scott reached out to the media to say hey I just want to put this on the record Dan Snyder great guy great owner all about winning does the record indicate that it's all about winning because you got to take ownership of that too you are the owner Dan you have to take ownership of the record as well and the record is not good now that being said the hiring of coach Ron Rivera I think is an excellent hire I'm very hopeful about that. He seems to be all about football. No, nonsense can't be said about Jay Gruden these days. So that's a step in the right direction. Kyle Smith looks like he knows what he's doing. That seems like a step in the right direction. Julie Donaldson, again, step in the right direction, but we need more. And really what we need is for Dan Snyder to come out, be more open, answer questions that are going to be tough, admittedly, but that is what is needed to show change is getting out of your comfort zone and showing people, look, I'm willing to do what it takes. And I'm just very disappointed that that has not occurred in that statement. And I'm very disappointed that Terry Bateman is still around even if he is a good guy because Dan, you've lost the trust of the people if you hadn't already. There are plenty that are rooting for you because they hate the media. It's a very divisive time. But we do need more. And I think everyone around me agrees with that. That's going to wrap up this week's episode of District Divided. Thank you very much for listening. A special thank you to Mernal Widge for joining the podcast this week as a guest. Once again, he was in business operations as a corporate hospitality intern. Really appreciate his insight, his thoughts, some of the stories he had for his time over there. Greatly appreciated, Mernal. Thank you so much for coming on. One thing I forgot to mention in regard to the Washington Wizards, they actually had an exhibition yesterday. Got so caught up talking about the 202 assist program with John Wall and the social good there. Forgot to mention that. They lost 89-82 to the Nuggets. Future League MVP Rui Hachimura leading the way with 18 points and nine boards. Once again, it is opening day, folks. That's right. Baseball is back. The Washington Nationals take on the New York Yankees tonight at 708. Dr. Anthony Fauci with the first pitch over there. Just enjoy it. Take me out to the ballgame and polypolo, take us out of here. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I
1: spent my whole damn life in the city. I can go for broke, but the capital is in me. I spent my whole damn life in the city. Anywhere I go, DC's coming with me. I spent my whole damn life in the city broke but the capital is in me